one was a little jarring. Sorry about that. That was great. <laughs> that was great. I want to ask you, how do you, how do you define politics? And and do you, and after the definition, mm-hmm. how do mm-hmm. you do? Do you love politics? Do you hate it? Do you get into it? Okay. Well, I define politics um, really like the the dictionary definition of politics, mm-hmm. which is. Um, basically the the quest for the negotiation of power power and um the distribution uh, closely related to like an economical thing like the distribution of scarce resources and mm-hmm. the struggle for power in other words we can't all be in charge at the same time so who gets to be in mm-hmm. charge and i love <laughs> politics <laughs> i love it you know why because i'm why? a historian and i love good stories and I remember hearing um, Judd Apatow, who's like a guy who makes a lot of comedic films. Mm -hmm. And he said they were asking him about good storytelling on Mm -hmm. this podcast. And he said, happy people make for boring stories. Oh, totally. So the struggle for power is always interesting. It always involves like a lot of just um, surprises. And yeah. Yeah. What about you? How do you define it? Do you like? Um, it? No, that's that's right. It's like it's basically like the big the, the longstanding argument about who gets to do and say what. Um, How's that not interesting? That's it is totally interesting. I kind of find politics to be the way it's played out to be cringe cringe worthy. Like, yes, yes. Because I just, you know, I, I'm politics scares me. You know, I, I'm afraid of what I would do to try to take control myself, and I and I'm and I'm afraid of being controlled. You know, by other people, and so I think for me, politics is, is kind of frightening because I feel like it could bring out the worst in me. Yeah, I, I think that um, I, I, I like observing it. I love reading about it. Mm-hmm. I like reading, you know, as a historian, I read about a lot of dead people. So the stakes mm-hmm. are a little lower, <laughs> you <laughs> right. know. But um, the pop culture artifact that we have for you all is it, it sort of dives right into that really uncomfortable oh, y- question. You've got an artifact. Tell us about this yes, week's artifact. Maybe we should say welcome to the pop culture smackdown. Yes, for the week of Christ, we are talking about a story related to the question of politics and um, the, the the big word for this week is Christ, and we talked about the relationship between Jesus and the political world. We specifically talked about um, a passage from Mark chapter 12. Um, I, I talked about that, I think, in the lecture. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I did. Um, and the question of who do you serve in this world? Right. Is it Jesus? Oh, yeah. It's the coin question, right? The, the people, they're, they're trying to trick Jesus, and they, bring, they say to Jesus, should we pay taxes to Rome or not? Mm-hmm. And if Jesus says yes... He's like endorsing the Roman rule. If he says no, it's like he's acting like a rebel who's going to lead a revolution. And instead, Jesus brings a coin, which has an image of the Roman emperor on it and says, who's on the coin? They're like, the Roman emperor. He's like, great. If that's his, give it to him. And so it's almost kind of like a joke, but it's sly. And so is he participating in politics there? Is he not? And it's a very intense political world that Jesus lived in. This is a classic Jesus story to me classic Jesus because he speaks he's a he speaks in terms that almost everyone can understand I think anyone in Mm -hmm. this world like especially when you become a full-fledged adult you understand what taxes are Mm -hmm. and how they work and how they may make your life worse or better right um and Jesus so he takes something that's like a really like everyday um thing in people's lives and then he he answers in a way that is both direct and mysterious at the mm. same time because like the traditional Bible language is rendered to Caesar what is Caesar's and right. to God what is God. So like give to Caesar what is due to Caesar and give to God what is due to God. Now, some Christians interpret that as you should 
play by the political rules mm-hmm. of the world that you live in. Mm-hmm. Um, and others say, well, what if you think that Caesar is not doing anything? All, everything is due to God, so you shouldn't play by right. the rules of this world. So right. we're tackling the question. Oh, whoa! Should Christians engage in politics? Should we? Sh- is that the game we should be playing? Now you have an artifact about I do, this. I do. Yeah. I've seen it. It's super funny, actually. It's not funny, but it's, it's like, it's kind oh of my funny. Goodness. It is a little bit. It's the article that I accidentally sent out to y'all. It's a little preview um, that I sent to the students out. Um, and it has to do with our own American political situation Ooh. and also Australia. Randomly. Shout out to the Australians. Yeah, if we have any Australian students, I have some good Australian friends. Dr. Edwards. Yes, we love Dr. Sarita Edwards. Yeah, okay, so we're pro-Australia, Australians as a rule. This is not a, an anti-Australian thing. No, no. It's a pro-Australian yes, thing. Yes. So um, there's a big famous church in Australia. Yeah. Um, somebody uh, who runs the Twitter account at Hillsong Church in Australia yeah. was Oh, Hillsong. They're the ones who do, do all the music, Oh, right? yeah, yeah. I like, what that. are Hillsong songs that people uh, would know? Like? Okay, let me see. Now I'm all of a sudden I'm blanking. My church doesn't sing that do that kind oh, of music. I grew up in a church that does a lot of them, but um, now I'm, I'm only thinking I'm go- of the I'm Googling old ones. Famous yeah. Hillsong. I love Hillsong music, by the songs. way. And now I'm just blanking. I'm trying to figure it. I'm trying to oh like more life, Prince of Peace, Every yeah. Day, God is Good, yeah. Go, Home. So oh no, these are the titles of their their albums. albums? There's lots of bands. There's I Hillsong, surrender. then there's Hillsong United. List of Hillsong worship leaders. It's all over the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hillsong is a big deal. They're huge. That's the I point. love their music. Uh big fan. Anyhow, so but there is w- apparently like an intern or something there was um running their Twitter account. <laughs> By mistake, <laughs> thought that they were they were actually on their own Twitter account, I would guess. Oh, so there are two two accounts. Yeah. You think you're on your own, but you're actually tweeting to the official Hillsong Twitter yes. account. Tweeted something about the American presidential debate. Yes, which at the time of this recording just occurred last night. Mm-hmm, the very first one. Yeah. And um very quickly after that, it, it took it was partisan, I would say. It was critical of President Donald Trump's debate style. Didn't actually weigh in on, you know, like his policy or whatever but then right after that yeah. oops deleted it then right after that hillsong issued an apology and said we don't engage in politics basically so their official um, um they said can you read hillsong the tweet? yeah it says, what was the original tweet that they sent out what did it say <laughs> the original tweet was because we're gonna link it so can't they just look. mute trump's microphone he's coming across as such a bully no respect for him sorry hashtag presidential debate 2020 so, then, so doing a clear political thing. Right? Oh, and of course, like someone screenshotted it. It went all over the interweb. Oh, and what's the, read the apology. I love a good the Twitter apology. Ap- read the apology. Yeah, you yeah. have to read the Twitter apology. Twitter apologies, that's like a whole genre. It's an art form. And it said, earlier today, a staff member accidentally posted on this account personal comments about the U.S. presidential debate that were meant for a personal account. Hillsong does not comment on partisan politics and apologizes. These comments do not represent the views of Hillsong Church. So... I see what, what they was did fascinating. There. Yeah. So then Christians had many different responses to that, but there mm. were kind of two general responses. Oh. One was they, that's right. They should apologize. Mm-hmm. Christians and especially churches should never get involved uh, in partisan politics. I see. On the other side, there were Christians who said, they, why are they deleting that? They should definitely get involved in politics. They should speak out more. The role of the Christian is to be in, engaged in politics. Uh, and so when I saw that, 
Oh, I sent it to you right away. The stage is set. Oh my goodness. This is the debate. Classic. Should Christians be doing this kind of political engagement on Twitter or in their personal lives or as politicians themselves maybe? Or Long-standing just, debate. I mean, this is a huge, and it's part of, this is like a subset of a huge debate that Christians have had for, for, for centuries, which is like, should Christians be trying to remake society officially in a Christian form? Or are we supposed to live in our own kind of like alternative societies, which are in opposition to and do not interact with? bigger societies yeah so this is this is one that i think is it's important for christians in any age to wrestle with so we're going to do it in the the debate format of our own here (laughs) where we will give each other three minutes then Mm. we will um discuss for a while then we will reveal our own positions and i think it's important to note because um, because the political world that we live in is very heightened right now, mm-hmm. that we believe in respectful discourse, and we also choose topics that um, Christians have very different views on, but mm-hmm. you can be dedicated, faithful yeah. follower of Jesus and take either one of these positions. Exactly. So we never we n- we've we have never argued in these debates and we don't want to argue for a position that we think is like an anti-Christian position no, versus no. a Christian position. The debates we're trying to have are within the Christianity that Dr. Payne and I both share. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. So all right. But still, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. I'm excited. I don't know what to argue. Shall we toss a coin? Uh we shall. It is our custom to mm-hmm. toss a coin. Okay. Since you do the music, I will do the coin toss. Okay, ready? Call it. Tails. Uh, tails! Tails, tails, tails. Yay! Good for you. Okay. Okay, which position (laughs) are you going to take? I am going to take up the position pro. I'm going to take up the pro. All right. Christians should engage in political work, political engagement. Okay. Okay. I, I think I'm ready when are you, you ready? are to time me. Okay, yep. and go. Okay. Christians should absolutely be engaged in public political discourse, engagement. Jesus did engage in politics. He did it hardcore. He opposed the Roman Empire on the one hand. I mean, he, he had a really tricky political situation. On the one hand, he opposed the Roman Empire. But on the other hand, he was also opposed to some of the religious politics of Jewish people. Uh, society and power and interpretation in his time he was a political warrior all over the place he was subtle though he was sneaky but he was definitely political jesus our example jesus is our example we have to follow him if as a christian okay if you believe something's right shouldn't you also then believe it is right in our society and then shouldn't you also try to make that something that people would live by like if like for instance if you think the death penalty is wrong and if you think it's wrong because of jesus's own nonviolence, turn the other cheek why would you not advocate for that for others would would would, would abstaining from doing that not be a, a total injustice and a betrayal of like those values that you say you stand for nonviolence? there are many examples like that right following jesus also doesn't mean just like shutting up or ignoring the world i'm going to read here from by the way the book of john chapter uh 17 Verses 14 through 16, Jesus says to his disciples, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you, Jesus prays to to his father. He says, I'm not asking you to take them, the disciples, out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. So in other words, stay in the world, do that stuff, but protect them. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world sanctify them in in the truth so it's about truth and it's about living in the world the incarnation jesus being god 
means that God and the human get mixed up in really um, fascinating ways. Do you remember the tabernacle from the law lecture? God comes and dwells with people. God gets involved in the world. Jesus is involved. It's gritty, it's bodily, it's confusing, and it's uncomfortable. Okay, I grant that. I'm concerned about Christians bowing out of politics to avoid confrontation. It's not like, oh, uh, Jesus wouldn't like it if I get political. It's like, well, I'm confused about what the right view is, and I don't want you know my parents or my friends to get mad at me, right? Um, there's also this fascinating passage um, in, in Matthew where Jesus tells his disciples, you know, in terms of like how they should live and engage with people. He says, be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. And I'm thinking, what would that mean in terms of politics? It might mean that we really do have to be wise like a serpent about how we get engaged politically. It, it doesn't mean being stupid and it doesn't, um, but, it, but it means being harmless as doves. How do you do that in politics? Sounds really tough, I do admit. But I think this ambiguous task is what we're called to. It's not just be as harmless as a dove. It's be as wise as a serpent. So how as a person of faith do you be as wise as a serpent to negotiate power and politics in a way that's pleasing to God? That's the issue. So I think Jesus is setting limits around this. Oh. Okay. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just cease right there. It's so hard. It's so hard. Woo. You can see how it's hard not to take more than, than a lot of time. Okay. The power of the political, the okay. clock. Okay. okay. Now, wait. Now I'm going to get my clock ready. It's the politics of the timer. Mm-hmm. You may begin when ready. I want to go back to that first definition of politics. What, how do we define politics as power relations, as a struggle for power? And it makes me think of a story, a great story by the late, great J.R.R. Tolkien, the Lord of the Rings story, the Hobbit story. Oh. Um, it's a great metaphor for the dangers of power. Power is always going to be a temptation for us as as human beings, um, and especially in our society um, where we are are um, empowered to govern ourselves. Mm. So I think that we should always look at power and the struggle for power as a temptation, as a temptation to enter into the worldly um, and not into the holy. So to put Jesus in the category of politics and to put ourselves in the category of like engaging in political, in the political realm, I think is to denigrate the holy call of the gospel. Jesus was and is above the powers and principalities of this world. And we should be too. I think one of the things that this brings to mind is the people who actually follow Jesus, the disciples. It's true. We just talked about this earlier in uh, the semester that that many were expecting a political figure and Jesus gave them something different, actually something more. Mm -hmm. I think of one of his followers, a guy named Simon the Zealot. There was this whole crew of people who were for overthrowing the Roman Empire and the powers and principalities in this world. And some of them thought that that's what Jesus was coming to do. And they were really disappointed in him when he did not, in fact, do this. But he did not. The Gospel of Mark tells us that he suffered and he bore witness to the truth of the gospel, which transcends human power relationships and dealings. Mm. Another argument is we just we don't live in a theocracy and nor should we until the second coming. Um, And we live in a democratic uh, republic and we can't make our like we need to avoid the mistakes of the ancient Israelites, the ancient Israelites kept saying, we want a political system like the people around us. Send us a king, send us a king, send us a king. And the prophets and the judges kept reminding Israel, this is a mistake, this is a mistake, this is a mistake. And what did they do? They got themselves kings, and kings actually enslaved the people, um, just like the, the scriptures predicted that he would. 
One of the things that comes to mind when I think about this is from Matthew, um, the famous passage, the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 6, 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. We should seek the kingdom of God, not the kingdoms of this world. And I think that politicians who use the name of Jesus to support their particular political agenda are in fact using the Lord's name inappropriately, using the Lord's name in vain. We should be careful of that. Am I done with my time? Confession. I lost track of it. Ah, okay. One more thing. One more thing. <laughs> Ten seconds. Though. One more thing. I Anabaptist. I want to bring up a group of people. There's always been a small group, a subsect of Christianity. People who have said we forsake the ways of this world. Mm. They're small, but they they're onto something, and we could learn something from them. The Anabaptists, Mennonites, people who argue that in fact engaging in the ways of this world is not the way of God. And scene. Good job. You did a good job. This is a hard one. This is a tough one. It is. I think this one, I realized as you were talking that this one is tough, partly because there are like really legit points that are hard to refute on both sides. Yeah. For instance. This is one of those both sides situations where it's actually a thing. Your argument that power is such a a temptation and Mm. all, actually your point about that Jesus resisted the politics of political overthrow, I think is a really strong point. Because you see a pattern there, and it's not Jesus rushing into debates in a particular way. Um, he did, and he did. I mean, I think that's. I think that's a good point. I think that there's a there's a flip side to it, like everything. But I think yeah. it's, it's actually a strong one in your favor, and I appreciated hearing that. Well, I thought your your argument was like the the moral argument was super strong, and it's hard to argue against. And you know, you brought up this idea, like if you think that. Um, that the death penalty goes against like the laws of God, mm-hmm. but we could, we could put a lot of different things into that category too. Right. But I think, you know, that's, that's a good example. If you think that, why wouldn't you want the world right. that you live in? And I think, you know, one of the, like as a personal point to that, that really hits home for me is like, if you think that the, the world that your family lives in, like, and that will be affected by, um, like, wouldn't you want it to reflect more the will of God for the world? That's a really strong argument. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you a question. It, it's a barbed sure, question. Sure. It's a barbed question. We're in the sparring period. Yep. So this is a question Go with a it. hook in it. Okay. Go for it. I love that you brought up the Lord's Prayer. I it's knew you were going to bring that up. It's always relevant. <laughs> I wondered why you didn't continue uh, the Lord's Prayer beyond what you quoted. Oh, you quoted, yes, yes, you yes. said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Oh, amen. What? How? How does that keep going? I'm trying to remember what's the rest. Sure, of it. sure. Students on earth as it is in your heaven. will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How do you? How do you? How from your perspective do you deal with this issue that Jesus is asking for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? And how would that not involve politics? Well, I think I think that we need to take a page um, from the Anabaptists or from the Mennonites in this perspective because they also pray the Lord's prayer. Um, but they also say like, how do we go about bringing about the will of God in this world? Mm -hmm. Like, and I think that it really is an issue of degree. And I'm going to argue that the act of like how we distribute power in this world is such a corrupt form that there's no way a Christian can engage in that. Mm -hmm. And, and also like, submit themselves to the moral teachings of the scriptures. So like, if you want to, Jesus sets a really, really high bar, like the Mm. the sermon on the Mount, it takes the law, like contrary to, to how some people talk about it, like it takes the law and then ratchets it up a little bit, right? Like the law, the laws of um, the ancient Israelites are 
um, a reflection of God. And then Jesus makes it even more like it amplifies, mm-hmm. you know, like how. So I think that the call to holiness is that's how I would answer that. The call to holiness is so extraordinary and profound, like the the things that people do. And all we have to do is like Google like politics in our in whatever country you live in. Right. You can see that there's a lot of bad that has to get done. Well, this is one of those issues, though, where the debate goes to again, it's like and I I feel like I've gone into this pattern in the debates before where it's like you say that and I actually agree with it and I admit it, but I don't think it invalidates the position. Like, of course, it's dirty. Of course, it's ugly. I mean, this is my point about the incarnation. Like, If God's going to get involved with the world and if we're going to get involved with heaven, I mean, if we're going to get involved with God's if you think of it like God's politics, like what are Mm -hmm. God's politics in heaven? If we're going to get involved in that. We are going to do so in a bumbling, foolish way at times. Um, but if, if the idea is that we can never get involved in it because we're just too corrupt, it severs basically all communication in a sense between heaven and earth. Because if we can never get it right, we might as well not even try. And if we might as well not even try, maybe we're not even hearing the message the right way to begin with. Well, I think here's here's a question that I would have for you is how do you know that the struggle for powers in this earthly realm is where where God's kingdom is being made manifest. You know, so I think that's the question for you arguing, you know, for involvement. Like, how do you actually know that that is the best way to accomplish the will of God? Oh, Even I with see. something like the death penalty. So you're saying do the will of God, but it's like, how do you know how to yeah. do it exactly? Like, so many, like, tra- there are there's a long, rich history of people who engage in, like, what we would think of as traditional Christian values, like the value of life without engaging in those sinful structures I see. that create the culture of death to begin with. Well, that's, that's, that's a good one. Um, I guess you would have to ask though, really hard questions about what is actually effective and how it's done. And I think that the, the jury at the at minimum the jury is out on whether maybe politics is the best way but it is a way and i i don't see how it can be avoided now you brought up groups like mennonites and anabaptists yeah. these are christian groups that live often in communities and with styles that are very different i also think of the amish the amish um, certainly um mm-hmm. if you ever drive through have you ever, have you ever driven through rural pennsylvania just taking a drive no but i imagine that i have it seems really beautiful oh it's beautiful <laughs> and you can actually see amish people um not you know one of their sure. hallmarks not their only one is that they they have limits around the kind of technology that they they use they use technology very thoughtfully mm-hmm. unlike me let's just say and they um they live in these communities that are just like really different and those communities can be models for things but it's like i think you have to ask yourself like well what am i supposed to do become amish am i supposed to just leave like my city and my place it's like i've been put in the midst of a place and I have to work for the well-being of that place. And that is going to involve politics. And I can't just pretend that I'm not a Christian while I do it. You know, I think I, I can really appreciate that. And I think that that's a really strong counter argument, which is like just the limited size and scope of like how these communities mm-hmm. work in the world. Mm-hmm. But I will say that Jesus himself, and I'm going to bring Matthew chapter seven here, um, talks about the call to serve and to follow him and the kingdom that he represents as a very small thing. Mm-hmm. And I think what, maybe one of the problems that we have is that we imagine ourselves in a kind of work, like to use a phrase that we'll learn, we'll talk about later in the, the course or actually in Theo 102, this idea of Christendom, the, the idea that like our whole society is a Christian society yeah. is maybe a misinterpretation of the call of Jesus. Because in Matthew seven, he said he t- characterizes it as narrow, like, 
enter by the narrow gate for it is the wide and the broad or the wide gate and the broad way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. So mm. I think the counter argument to that is, yeah, it's hard. And yeah, there's not going to be a lot of people who follow it, but still it's the call of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So we need to not engage, like we need to not be afraid to live a holy life just because it's hard and there won't be a lot of people with us. Okay, I think you get the last word in the sparring Ooh, session there. sparring session, sparring session done. And now, Whoa. it's time in this heavy, heavily weighted political season yes. to give our real views. What is your real view, Dr. Doak? Okay, man, this is so complicated. I'm going to say, but I'll, I'll dive in. I'm going to say my real view is something like a medium con on this one. Okay, medium con. Can you say more? Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm I'm persuaded by this idea that when we do get involved, that I, I liked your argument in in not just in the sense of our debate structure, you know, liking certain elements of what the other said, but I mean, in my real life, this idea that when we get involved in things, when we when we give ourselves over to to politics in this way, it becomes idolatry. And mm. I think in my spiritual life, I mean, something that I think I'm very it, any of us as humans, but I just see it in my own evil heart is this temptation toward idolatry, toward worshiping as God that which is not God. And I think there's the temptation in politics is just so great that we always will worship what is not God as God, mm, um, mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. power. And I'm also just, and it could just be a comment, not on everybody, what every Christian should do, but just on myself that mm. I see my own motivations. I see my own heart. And sometimes I'm just so disappointed like in yeah. myself that it's like, okay, if I'm going to, if I'm going to go out telling other people what to do in their house, I got to get my own house in order doesn't mean that I don't vote. I do vote. It doesn't mean that I don't have political opinions. I do. And I feel haunted by the idea that like as a person of faith, you might want to you know, protect the vulnerable. That's something that both quote conservatives and quote liberals both want to do. And as Christians, we should want to do that. That's Old Testament, New Testament everywhere. And so I think, well, of course, we would have to engage in some kind of politics to do that. So I don't deny that it's real, but I don't think it's I don't think that this I feel very uncomfortable with like this close um connection between church and state and trying to make like a christian nation and stuff mm -hmm. i think these i think it comes from a good heart place for people but i think it's we can see there's a lot of wreckage on this trail for christians and um it wouldn't be there was someone who wrote a book about maybe 10 or 15 years ago suggesting that maybe christians should just take a period of fasting from politics oh, as a spiritual wow. discipline and i thought that that was a really good idea but um so it's good. not because i don't like good. not because i don't like conflict i mean i don't love conflict but I think that there are, uh, yeah, I, I think I could get on board with this different Christian way. But I remain haunted by ways that I think Christians almost must be political. And mm -hmm. so I don't want to deny mm -hmm. it either. So that's mm -hmm. why I say a medium, mm -hmm. medium kind of con. What? Wow. About that's good. That's good. Well yeah. said. Well stated. Well stated. You know, I'm going to go with a medium pro Ooh, on this one. Yeah. You know, even though I almost I don't know that I expected that. I almost had myself convinced this <laughs> for a second. Yeah. Um, and he, and here's the thing yeah. is like um all, all the stuff that I said I actually firmly believe to be true that power is a great temptation um but I actually think you know you called me out on the your kingdom come your will mm. be done on earth as it is in heaven and I'm pretty convinced by the argument that there are scenarios wherein mm -hmm. um and it really um my argument it, it at least how I make sense of it in my own mind is actually kind of an ancient argument. I think Augustine made it and other people maybe before him, but um, the idea that um, we can turn our own cheek, like if someone is, is mm -hmm. coming engaging with us, but we should not turn the cheek of our neighbor. And so I think that mm. if you're in a position of power, which as an American citizen by nature, 
we are in positions of power, then we, um, we are already like engaged in the political world just in our mm-hmm. everyday lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that because of that, um, you know, the scriptures say to whom much is given, much is required. There's been a lot given to us and there's, there should be something required of us. Mm. Now the temptation to power is always going to be there and it will always need to be resisted. Mm -hmm. But for all the reasons that you just said, mainly for the, um, like I, I think of great kind of figures in the, in, in our like culture's history of people who have engaged in the power structures of this world for the sake of the vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So I guess I would hope that, um, you know, that would, that would be my own orientation, but this one's a hard one because, totally you know, is. like, as you said, they, like history is full of examples of, of people who in their minds, they've done something good, but they've like, there's a great scene from, um, there's a movie called amazing grace, which tells the story of the great, you know, hero William Wilberforce who through um extraordinary like bureaucracy and governmental um political engagement overturned the evil um industry of slavery in England Mm -hmm. and he did it through like political means Mm -hmm. and one of the characters um the prime minister at the time, Pitt, are, uh, told him, says in that there's a great scene where he's like, a lot of us have gotten dirty so that you can basically maintain your principles. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some truth to that. So it's like, it's a, it's mm. a hard one. It's mm-hmm. a hard one. Like how much do you engage even for a righteous cause like anti-slavery? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like how, how, like wh- how far is too far? It's like, it's a, it's a really big issue of Christian discernment. It's a hard one. Wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. That paradox almost seems built into that very phrase. It's true. It's true. And I think that, you know, that's why it's important to always be in prayer, studying scripture, in fellowship with other Christians, like in, you know, in your church, but also Christians throughout the ages, because it's not an easy, if, if anyone tells you that it's an easy um, decision, then I, I would kindly disagree. <laughs> felt very like a mood of this moment it kind of did <laughs>